This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. Second quarter, Winnipeg leading Ottawa. Friday night football in the Canadian Football League. Blue Jays up 10-0 on Detroit. That's in the top of the seventh game four of the NBA Finals. Golden State leading Boston 23-22. Final minute of the first quarter. Boston leads that series two games to one. The uh, Edmonton Riverhawks in action tonight against the Port Angeles Lefties. We got a one nothing lead for the Riverhawks. They are batting in the bottom of the second. Uh, Riverhawks also play the Port Angeles lefties at 7 tomorrow night, 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon. The Edmonton Stingers in the Canadian Elite Basketball League, they have won four in a row. They host Scarborough at 4 p.m. Sunday at the Expo Center. And a big night for Edmonton sports tomorrow. The Oil Kings can win the WHL Championship on home ice. 7 o'clock at Rogers Place against Seattle. The Oil Kings logo replacing the Oilers logo at center ice. That's pretty cool. And right here on 6.30, Ched, 6.30 for the countdown to kickoff. The game is at 8. The Edmonton Elks start their season under Chris Jones taking on the BC Lions. Dave Campbell is in Vancouver where he and Morley Scott will be describing the action on these airwaves tomorrow night. Dave, how was your trip today, man? It was, uh, it was good. You know, we had uh, a little bit of delay out of Edmonton, then a little bit of delay in the air. You know, one of those one of those times when you're in an airplane and the air traffic control in Vancouver says, um, you need to circle the airport for a bit longer, please. So we were delayed in the air for about 20, 30 minutes. Got on the ground, no problems. Uh, nice day here, overcast. It's not really raining here, which is rare for Vancouver. And again, um, can you repeat who the Riverhawks are playing against tonight? The Port Angeles lefties. So they can't get any. So all left-handers on the team, everyone I, bats left, no one bats I right. Guess, or I guess they're right. all going to be left-handed to play on that team. That can be the only solution. That's Talk They have some fun yourself. names in this league. Uh, as we've been talking, we know about the Portland Pickers, uh, Pickles, the Kamloops <laughs> North Paws, the Walla Walla Sweets, the uh, Victoria Harbor Cats, the Yakima Valley Pippins, the Wenatchee Apple Sox. That might be my favorite. Yeah. The, the Apple Sox. The, they have a team called the Elks in Bend, Oregon. The Bend Elks or the Bend Elks, as I call them. Oh, okay. I like them next to the Riverhawks, of course, because we do yes. live in Edmonton. I do live in Edmonton, of course. You know, you, everyone knows that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, okay. pretty, it's pretty interesting. The Pickles uh, might be, uh, that's, that's, that's something. 
the Portland Pickles. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't have a team called Rough Riders. Anyway, I digress. All right. So how, there was how a league you know? that had two. They, there's a league that had two Rough Riders. And oh yeah, never mind. I digress. Yeah, I, I think we know who that was. How are you doing, buddy? How are you feeling about the Oilers run now that it's over? You know, um, I'm looking back and going, hmm. But four game, four game sweep. It, it, in some ways, it didn't feel like a four game sweep, but. You know, let, let's let's face it. The the one area we were worried about, well, two areas that kind of reared their ugly head, maybe three, but two for sure. One goaltending. I think at times Mike Smith uh, wasn't very good in this series. Two, their ability to defend the speed of the Avalanche that was a question, um, a question mark at times, and it kind of reared its ugly head. Okay, three. The third one is I'm moving this up. Kale McCarr is the one difference maker on the ice for both teams. And I think he really set the table. And then four, the Oilers' depth was pretty much decimated by the time they got. Well, I would say decimated, but it was it was it definitely hurt. And that being said, they did score five goals without Evander Kane and without Kyler Yamamoto in Game Four when they lost in overtime. But now, what does this team look like going forward? Because you know, I'm I'm with you. It's going to be really hard to get Evander Kane back here, and. Uh, the other dominoes have to fall into place, but what do those look like? Nurse gets more money next year. I want Kyler Yamamoto back. I want Ryan McLeod back. I'm not sure I want Jesse Pugliarvi back. I want Kulak back. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the goaltending department. But the biggest piece has to be Jay Woodcroft has to sign an extension. It sounds like that's going to happen. And I think that's going to be the most important piece going forward is his influence uh, behind the bench again. Yeah, and maybe we get some news uh, middle, late next week. He's supposed to meet with Ken Holland Monday or, or Tuesday, and I would assume they'll they'll probably be working out a new contract for Woodcroft to be back as head coach. I can't see why uh, he wouldn't be given the job that he did. And, uh, yeah, I know goaltending was a, a discussion. I mean, Kevin Weeks was on with Stoff and said you got to try and still get John Gibson out of Anaheim. I know people are writing about Jack Campbell or, or Billy Huso mm-hmm. out of St. Louis trying to get those players here. I mean, they're, they're going to need somebody. I mean, you heard Mike Smith, and again, it's within 24 hours of the season ending, but there was a lot of reference to how difficult this past season was mm-hmm. as opposed to I want to come back and take one more shot at it. Now, two weeks from now, maybe he's going to sound different, but that's what he was saying earlier this week. It almost sounded like to me it wasn't really, uh, you know, I, I think I'm done kind of comment, but I think it was just more of, I've never been through a season like this before. This is the hardest season I've ever been through. So I don't really know what I want to do yet. But he emphasized many times, and you referenced it, how difficult the season was. And remember, he's 40, going to be 41 if he plays next year. And he's not getting any younger, and the body doesn't respond the same way. It was remarkable what he was able to do when he came back and was finally healthy. He had a great run against the Kings. He he outplayed Markstrom and just wasn't good enough. And I guess that's what's frustrating, too, is he was outplayed at times by Fransos, and then, you know, in game four was a saw-off. Both goalie wasn't, you know, they both were not good. So it was almost like last goal wins, and that's what happens. But, yeah, you know, I think Mike Smith is just, uh, he's exhausted right now. But, you know, does he want to go through this regimen again? Does he want to go through the grind again of getting ready for a season? Because the body just doesn't respond the same at his age compared to younger players. And I just want to make one more quick point before we talk about the Elks here. I was at the game on Monday with my son. I took my Mm -hmm. son Noah for the first, his very first Oilers game, which was really cool to go in, in that setting. And I felt so 
badly for Leon Dreisaitl and the pain he was in. And the guy got four assists in that game. I'm so impressed, Reed. He might be the most impressive player on the team. McDavid is no question. He's he's phenomenal. I love watching him. But Leon Dreisaitl, on a bad leg, found a way to slow the opposition down to his pace because he passes the puck so well and sees, sees the uh, ice so well. And you could tell the Avalanche players were still freaked out by, by 29. And uh, his ability to pass the puck is just phenomenal and was on full display. And it was a treat to see him live for sure on, on, on Monday. He was special. Yeah, I'm glad you and your son got to go. That's a cool first game to go to, even though it... Uh, did you guys stay till the end? Did he make it right till the end? He made it right to the end. But let That's me tell awesome. you, he was dozing off in the, in the, in the, in the vehicle <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> but he went to school the next day, but he was in bed quite early on Tuesday night, I can tell you that. <laughs> All right. Dave Campbell <laughs> in Vancouver, where the Elks kick off tomorrow against the Lions. I was drawing some comparisons because Chris Jones's first game the first time around was at the BC Lions, June 28th, 2014. And uh, I remember watching that game after I got back from the NHL draft. And I believe the Elks uh, did an unexpected short kick off a mm-hmm. kick, I think, at the start of the second half. They sure. might have faked a punt or a field goal. I can't remember. Uh, I just wonder uh, what Chris Jones yeah. has in store tomorrow because, you know, he has a certain approach and a certain attitude, and he seems he, to like to establish yeah. it as early as he can. I'm looking at this step chart, and I honestly can't tell you what I expect tomorrow. Like, really, I, I can't. It's it's so new, and it's so unorthodox in a lot of ways. I mean, first of all, uh, Kyle Oxley's backing up Nick Arbuckle, not Taylor Cornelius. He's completely off the roster. He's on the one-game injury list, and I think that's a healthy scratch. He wasn't on any injury report this week. Trey Ford's going to play, but he's listed as a receiver. They have a lot of different pieces in their defense that we haven't seen before because Aaron Grimes is out and Nafis Lyon is out. Grimes, in fact, is on the six-game injury list with a knee injury. I'm not sure if it's going to be a full six-game stint, but but he's not playing tomorrow. You have uh, Tristan Decoud at one halfback spot, Jalen Collins at the boundary corner. Those two played under Jones last year in Toronto. Uh, Adam Konar is going to start at middle linebacker, not Dion Lacey. Uh, Wesley Apollon, who is a draft pick, I believe, played NCAA in the States, and uh, he's 6'5", he's got a big wingspan, but he's playing and going to start at well linebacker. You know, and you look at the, the receiving court, can Darrell Walker bounce back? Can Kenny Lawler be another 1,000-yard receiver? Uh, what does Manny Arsenault have? We had Manny on a couple nights ago. One X factor in the offense, I'll bring him up, Jalen Marshall, because I thought he had a great camp as a receiver. He can also play running back. And, oh, the running back is back in James Wilder Jr. So I, I don't know what to expect, but the key is what you said when you know b- before you tossed it to me for, for, for this response is Chris Jones. What is up Chris Jones's sleeve that we don't know about? And that's always the, I think, the, the, the aura around Chris Jones is what is he going to do next? And boy, going into tomorrow, I, I can't handicap this one for you at all. I can't, I cannot. It's going to be fun just to see what the unknown is like with Chris Jones because Chris Jones likes to keep us all guessing. And I think that's his greatest strength. Who is the kick returner, and will we score a kick return touchdown this season? <laughs> I can't tell you that, but I can tell you who the returner is. It is Jalen Marshall, who I, I okay. just mentioned. 
Uh, he has experience before. He spent time with the New York Jets, actually, and had about 500 return yards for them in uh, in one season and spent some time with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, not as a returner. But, uh, yeah, he's got returnability. He's going to be the the main man in that department. And, and, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Merritt Bowden is now the special teams coordinator, unlike last year where there was four voices, Reed. I mean, can you imagine that? That's that's too many voices speaking to uh, too many uh, too many special teams groups. So it's one voice. We'll see what happens. Um, this is a veteran group in some areas on on offense, especially. And we didn't really see the starters in training camp, and I think that's the norm now. Is is you don't really see the starters play in in camp, other than you know Nick Arbuckle probably played the most outside of offensive linemen and looked pretty good in Winnipeg, but he didn't play last week in Calgary. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. But uh, you know, with the, the special teams unit especially, because it was uh, out of every area of the football team last year, the most dreadful part of it that I think contributed the most to a three and eleven season. The special teams was atrocious outside of the wonderful place kicking of Sean White, who is not here anymore, but Sergio Castillo is. And I think that's going to help the special teams big time in the okay. kicking department because he is really good. Okay, who's uh, who's the punter? Does Castillo also – because that young punter they had against Calgary struggled. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Caleb Lightborn, who was not okay. very good. And uh, Castillo's going to punt. Okay. So, Hasn't done it very much in his career, although he has done it. There are two kickers on the uh, practice roster now uh, that are punters, and uh, Chris Jones for now is going to go with Sergio Castillo. So we'll see how long this goes, but I don't think this is going to be a long-term solution. I don't think Sergio Castillo will be at his best if he's doing all three kicking duties. I think you just want him as a place kicker, but for now, he's going to have to handle all three. All right, and Beard and Cordy, are they kind of anchoring the – O-line here. I guess Kelly's back, isn't he? Yeah, Colin Kelly's back after, uh, boy, what what a year last year. In his hotel room quarantining before camp, and he's doing push-ups, and he tears his pectoral muscles. So it's been a long wait for him. Uh, he's the right tackle. But, yeah, David Beer's the, the anchor, along with Mark Corte at right guard. Uh, you got uh, David Foucault at left guard. He's a newcomer. And Tony Washington did practice this week, but he didn't play uh, the two preseason games. I mean, he was listed as an illness. Uh, he was on the field, though, this week. But there's a newcomer by the name of Antonio Garcia, who they're very uh, excited about at left tackle. So we'll see how he does. I mean, I, I just, you know, we know that Tony Washington was traded here. We know that Chris Jones likes him. But at the moment, it's Antonio Garcia's spot, and Tony Washington is watching. So just, I, you know, I think there's a lot of spots in this roster that isn't figured out yet, including quarterback, even though I think Nick Arbuckle is, in my view, the number one. But now you have to prove it in games. And you know how it goes, Reed. You have two preseason games, but often the evaluation process takes longer. You know, mm-hmm. and this is why the first six games of the, of, of the regular season sometimes can mimic, you know, training camp a little bit, even though these games count, right? So, uh, um, you know, we'll see how this shakes out. But, you know, the Elks would like to be healthier. That's for sure. I mean, we talked to Chris Jones earlier today, and he said it's it's a shame he can't play the players that he envisioned at the start of the season, especially on defense, uh, play for him. But you know what? If if this is the longest the injury list is going to be in week one, I mean, you'll take it if you're healthier down the road. Okay. Well, looking forward to it, Dave. Have a great show tomorrow. Uh, we'll see uh, what the Elks have here coming out of the gate. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. And, uh, uh, the uh, Port Angeles, uh, Angeles lefties. No righties, please. Only lefties. Thank Only you. Only lefties. <laughs> there we go.
Okay, buddy. Dave Cappels in Vancouver. 6.30 countdown to kick off tomorrow. Game at 8 right here on 6.30. Chad Elks at Lions. Speaking of quarterback Nick Arbuckle, you will hear from him when we get back. from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right. Got an email here. Inside Sports at 630Chet.com from the Big L. He says, I've heard a number of respectable analysts and insiders who've mentioned that there are a number of GMs that would not want to even approach Kane as a signing. Does this enhance the Oilers' chances of reacquiring him? Well, I suppose if there are fewer uh, fish in the pool swimming around, then yes. But all it takes is one team to say we're going to pay eight or nine million dollars, and that's going to roll out the orders right there. I, I was listening to Elliot Freeman on Stoff Show earlier today, who said, "What if the mediator in in Kane's case with San Jose awards him back to the San Jose Sharks? They say you got to honor the rest of the contract." then they'd probably trade Kane and they'd probably have to retain some salary. Wouldn't that be an interesting way for the Oilers to get Kane or some team to get Kane, uh, you know, cheaper than they'd have to pay him on the open market. Just a possibility to keep in mind. Okay. Elks quarterback, Nick Arbuckle talked with our Brendan Escott. Lots of time on an Elks roster, Nick. And finally, after all that time, you're going to get to suit up in a regular season game. Just tell me what's going through your mind now that the depth chart's out and you know you're going to be taking that first snap. I mean, just being able to be out there with everybody and then we've been working so hard as a team and as an offense, uh, all camp taking so many reps and going through so many mistakes and so many great plays. It's just uh, incredible feeling to be able to go out there and know that I'm going to, um, you know, all things go well, that I'll be able to be out there for the first snap. And talk about just the relationships that you've made with with Kai and, and Trey and Taylor and, and as you're learning this new, as sort of a new offense together, I suppose, but coming together as a group because it seems like that's really been the approach for all of you guys. Yeah, and, you know, knowing that um, you know we can't win in this league with just one quarterback by himself doing everything um, you know it's a very it's a marathon of the se- of a season we you know, a lot of short yard stuff involved like we need everybody and uh, it's all about just you know getting better as a group and being able to win and be successful as a group and it is my first time actually being in a um, quarterback room where I'm the veteran of the group because uh, even in Toronto you know McLeod and older than me been in the league uh, too so uh, you know it's a different different role uh, but I've just been doing everything I can to make sure everybody's uh, you know on the same page and we're all getting better we're all learning what does it look like when you're sort of embracing that role and do you have guys like Trey and Kai coming to you asking questions are you pointing things out to them what does it look like uh, yeah I mean it's it's them asking me questions and any questions that I have that I get answers to from the coaches, making sure that I reiterate that to them as well. Because I know if I have a question about something, there's a good chance somebody else in the room does too. Um, and then just watching a lot of film together, going over all of our practice, going all of the, the mistakes that all of us make and all the good things that we both make. So we all just learn from each other and learn from each other's reps and the things that we do. And I think it's just been a great experience, uh, you know, from day one to training camp. I imagine the body's feeling sharp if you're good to go for week one here. How's the mind feeling after missing a little bit of time worth of gathering those reps? 
Uh, good, good. I mean, it was, it was a little bit different day one. It was like, okay, got to get back into the rhythm of the whole thing. Um, I really just not mentally because mentally I was still there, still locked in, but just physically still just making all the throws, um, you know, being in the pocket and stuff like that. Um, but by day two, you know, it was all just back to normal um, after missing a few practices last week. So, uh, you know, I'm ready to go as I, as I could be. What, uh, what challenges are you expecting out of the BC defense this week? Uh, they have a lot of really good players in their team. Um, you know, a, lot, a lot of defensive backs, both their linebackers are really good, really solid, great players last year. They have good deep lines. There's a lot of talent all over their football team on that defense. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge. You know, we we'll um, get have a decent idea of what they may do based on preseason and a little bit of last year. But, um, you know, it's with the new hash marks and first game of the season, who knows what they're really going to run. So uh, fortunately, playing Chris Jones' defense all training camp, I think is going to have us prepared for just about anything. Does it inspire you to see a young uh, Canadian quarterback you know, across a Nathan Rourke who sort of seems to be on the precipice of really stepping into stardom in this league? And, you know, you, you've been around five going into six years now. I just wonder how that might motivate you, if at all. And, I mean, it's, it's fun to play play against him and, and see him for his first time. I know this isn't his first start, but his first time really as the starter of the team. Um, and me and him had a little brief conversation on the field last year after we played him in uh, in BC when I was with Edmonton at the end of the year, and because he started and he did really well in that game, um, and I was just encouraging him and um, you know telling him that you know I wish success for his career and I really liked just watching him and the way he was playing and stuff and I uh, was hoping that we were going to get to have some good battles in the future and uh, the future came pretty quick. Well, it starts on his home field tonight where they expect about 30,000 people in BC Place. Are you excited to play in that sort of hostile territory without much energy around? Uh, it's it's always fun to play there. Um, I mean. Traveling to Vancouver as a city is great, but being able to play in the Dome there um, and just being in BC has always been a really fun place to play. Um, I played one of my preseason games there um, in uh, my rookie year and being able to uh, do pretty well. So it's been, it's it's always a great place to be. And honestly, you, you always hope to play at BC at the end of the season because the Dome kind of gives you a break from the winter, but <laughs> I'll take a summer game there too. There's Nick Arbuckle, quarterback for Edmonton Elks, chatting with our Brendan Escott. So 6.30 countdown to kick off tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad. The play-by-play will start at 8. Ottawa leads Winnipeg 11-10 in the final minute of the first half. Blue Jays up 10-0 on the Tigers in the eighth. Game two of the NBA Finals halfway through the second quarter. It's tied 39-39, Golden State and Boston. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, Chris Gardner, your studio producer. Big thanks to Nick Skiller as well. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.